the psalmist prayed, Our God, open our eyes, or my eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy word. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our hearts that we might feast. Open our minds that we will think God's thoughts after him. And Father, guide our feet that we will walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Amen. The theme for this morning is how to benefit from the reading of the scriptures. How to benefit from the reading of the scriptures. When our son was a little boy, uh, he had some very wonderful ideas about taking medicine. And, and, and he, would, he would ask me again and again, and believe me, he did it more than once. He said, Daddy, does this taste bad? And I would have the same answer for him again and again. Medicine was developed to cure, not to taste good. My daughter used to ask the question, uh, what do I get by doing this, Dad? What is in it for me? And I would say to her, the same answer again and again, that the joy is in the doing, not in the reward. She never accepted that. When you look in the, the scriptures, there are hard things to swallow. If you have been doing your scripture reading, you will come across things that are embarrassing. You come across things that, that you would not think about doing. And you might ask the question, why did God allow these things to be in the scriptures? Uh, let, let me just be brief with that. If he didn't allow them, you would not think that we are as bad as we are. You see, there's this feeling that you and I have that, that, that uh, Paul mentioned it again this morning in his prayer. It's wonderful to be living in America. And it's wonderful to be living in Oregon. And that is true. But please do not miss, my friends, that people live in America. And people live in Oregon. And people live in Toronto. And I can go on and on. And God made the distinction in the psalm. He gives a distinction between the man who is a part of his family and the man who is not. And there's a, a distinction between the two. But the way that the man becomes a part of the family of God is not just a matter of fact. He begins the psalm by saying, Blessed is the man who does three things. Well, more than three, but they're, they're almost negative things. He watches the way he walks. He watches what he gives attention to. And he watches where he allows himself to remain. And he's able to deal with those things because of this one thing. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
What's the benefit of being in God's word? Israel had been delivered from Egypt. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. And God wanted them to be absolutely certain as to their distinction. Moses, his servant, is dead. He's speaking to Joshua. And he said, Joshua, I want you to know that you have been selected, elected, to be the one who takes the people into the promised land. And as you go into the promised land, you want to have confidence. You will have courage. You will have wisdom. You will have everything that one needs to have in order to lead a nation. But the one thing you will need to do, we find, and to begin the message proper, we go back to Joshua chapter 1. Because in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, Joshua is given instructions as to how to be sure that he will be successful and that he will be prosperous in what he's about to do. And in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, we read these memorable verse, uh, this memorable verse that so many have memorized. But this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein, for then you will have good, uh, you make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. But this book of the law, with everything else that you're going to have, this book of the law, the Torah, is not to be part out of your mouth. Before we get back to Psalm 1, I want to derive a few thoughts from this text. Note, I want you to see that God is the one who initiates the practice of meditation. God is the one who initiates it. Look at the command he's given to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of thine mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. To know who is speaking, you've got to go back. You've got to go back to verse, verse 1. Then the Lord said, or the Lord spoke, or the Lord spake. This is not a dialogue between Joshua and God. This is not a conference that Moses has with Joshua before he dies. God is the one who is giving a divine direction to Joshua as to how he is to maintain his responsibility as a leader of the people. God speaks. He's the speaker. I, I love this. I have a book in my library at home that says he's there and he's not silent. God is a speaking God. But what I want you to see he said, the, 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 way he, uh, the way he introduces himself to Joshua, he doesn't use the word Elohim, I am the God. Because that is a word that deals mostly with the authority. That word Elohim deals with the majesty and the governorship of God. 
he uses the word Jehovah, the covenant name, so that he's speaking of a relationship I want you to maintain. And the way this is going to happen is that the word of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So, so why, is this, why is this so? He's not giving Joshua a new philosophy because Moses is dead. He is not telling Joshua that because a new man has taken over the reign, there needs to be new things. He's telling Joshua that what he said to Moses in the mountain is what he's saying to him. And he doesn't need a new revelation. He needs only to maintain what God gave to Moses in the first place in the mountain. I was telling someone I was dreading going to to the pastor's retreat. I don't like those things. Believe me, I, I, I am so sorry. I have to be so careful. <laughs> See, because when, when, you, when you go to retreats, um, the first thing people will say to you, how are things at Sotoville? <laughs> and and I've, I've been tempted sometimes to say rotten. I don't know why God put me there. But I thought I better not be facetious with the people. They mean well. But uh, let, me, let me suggest, friends, this happened when I was in Canada as well. They asked the question, how are things going? You know, it's interesting. God's, God seldom never asks about things. God, God asks about People, who, who are, how are you relating to the one who has called you? But that's another story. I'll leave it for now. But I was so happy that the superintendent who spoke each night brought the attention of the pastors to the Trinity. And, he, and, and his, his, his messages from, from Monday through Wednesday had to do with the Trinity and, and how we can relate so that mystery, that too is another story. But I want you to look in verse 9 of Joshua 1. Because I want you to see that what God is talking about meditation is a command, not a suggestion. Have I not commanded you? It's not an idea God is giving to, 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 to Joshua. He said, if, 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 you, if you want to be successful in the leading of my people in the land, I am commanded you, commanding you that you should meditate in the law of the Lord, in the Torah. That which gives instruction and insight. And so I want you to see that the idea of meditation is God's idea. Not yours, not mine. And, and by the way, this is another story. This is not yoga. This is not, this, this is not <laughs> clearing your mind of everything and, and just sit there and muse over things. No. It is the book of the law you should meditate in. God is telling you what you should meditate in. He's, in fact, he's telling you what you should meditate on. So it's different from yoga altogether. So I want you to see the giver of the command to meditate is God. Secondly, I want you to see the gravity or the seriousness of this. 
Look, look at the seriousness. It shall not depart out of your mouth. Jesus in the New Testament tells us this, that out of the heart the mouth speaks. So that he's saying, because the word is meditated upon, it shall not depart out of your mouth. Now it's interesting, the little, the little word depart in the Hebrew has a very interesting uh, um, meaning. Listen to what it means. It shall not recede. You know what, what, when the water is receding, it doesn't happen like that. It happens slowly. You don't even know. And all of a sudden, it's gone. My friends, if you would be studying what's happening in the Christian world today, this is what's happening with the Word of God. It's receding. Even some, some I hate to, to say it, but even some who, who, who profess this book is no longer the book. This book is no longer, we have, we have people who are saying, did Jesus say this? We have people who are saying, Moses lived in a primitive time, so he didn't know what he was speaking about. He, he didn't have what we have. This book of the law shall not recede. It, it shall not take a slow, slow moving from being central to what you say and what you do. It, it, it means, my friends, that we should not allow the Torah to lose its meaning. I shared with you last week how Jesus showed from Moses to the present time, the word of God is relevant. And this is what you should be meditating on. So don't let it depart. He's not to add. He's not to take away from the word. What I gave to Moses was good for Moses. It will be good for you. It will be good for David. It will be good for Isaiah. It will be good right through until the Lord comes again. The word of God is relevant. Meditate upon it. Don't let it depart. Well, much more could be said. I want to deal with the definition of meditation. What does it mean to meditate? There are several meanings, but here are the major meanings. Number one, to ponder. To ponder. To actually look at the word and internalize the word when you look at something. I think it was mentioned just now by uh, Colleen. When she goes into creation and she looks, you stop and you look at that thing and you see it. That's what you do with the word of God. We'll come back to that in a minute. It means to talk. To talk to yourself. To say, ah, yeah. Or to talk to someone else. Did you see this? When you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you mold over in your mind, it means, I love this one, it means to murmur. In fact, the word that comes out of this word is to complain. Not the way we do it. <laughs> you know when you complain, what do you do? Well, you don't know that because you're not a complaining people, so... To murmur means to be saying something over and over again. To talk about it. To 
Who are you talking to? <laughs> have you ever done that? I, 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 I have that happen to me at home. Uh, Lois, I'm um, talking to myself. And, and Lois said, what? And, and it's really hard to say I'm not talking to you in your house when you and your wife are there. You know? I did hear someone who asked, was asked the question, why do you talk to yourself? And he said, I have two great reasons. I like intelligent conversation. <laughs> and I don't like stupid answers. <laughs> and this is what the word means, to murmur. To allow the thing to go over you. In fact, it is like the way a cow or a sheep eat. They, 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 they get the stuff, they swallow it. I see some of you are turning pink where I'm talking about this. See, I don't know about this. This is what I read. <laughs> I've never watched, well, I, I did watch the cow once, but that was... Uh, Well, that's what the word means. You will see in a minute how this leads. It, it, is, it is to be something that, that, that catches your attention. The idea of the, the, the word of God, we should see in a minute, is that it has significance to you, to your world, to your existence, as we talked about it last week. To meditate takes discipline. It takes discipline. <laughs> Meditation is not a hobby. It is not something done once in a while. It, 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 is, it is throughout the scriptures. More again, but I have chosen five ways to show you how meditation is seen in the scriptures. One. One. Meditation requires quietness and solitude. Genesis 24, 63. And I don't have time to go into all of that. You'll have to search for yourself. It requires quietness. There is no way you can meditate when there's noise, other things competing for your attention. Meditating is a response <laughs> to insomnia. Psalm 63, verse 6. At the night time, I will meditate upon you. What, have you ever woken up at 2 or 3 in the morning you can't go back to sleep? Someone, someone said this. You may have heard it. When you can't sleep, don't count sheep. Talk to the shepherd. That's what meditation is. Meditation can be practiced when taking in God's creative acts. Psalm 72, verse 12. Meditating is useful for spiritual transformation. Psalm 119, verse 15. And Psalm 119, verse 103. Listen to this one. Meditation clarifies the seasons of life. This is from 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul talks to Timothy, and he talks about the end times. And he said, as you think on these things, you will know how to clarify where we are. 
So it takes discipline. It's not something that happens just as a matter of fact. I, I, I try to go to the gym three nights a week. And if I tell you that I go to the gym three nights a week, I'm lying. That's my intention. That's not my practice. And, and I, I will tell you now, I, I don't go three nights a week because I'm lazy. Other things come in the, in the way. But if, you know, in fact, I paid. I, 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 I belong to the courthouse. And I paid for it because I thought if I pay for it, I will use it. Well, I find other things more demanding and I never get there. But I'm committed to it. But there are times when I'm at the gym and I have another 20 minutes to go and I have 601 reasons why I should find reasons to quit right now. Right now. I have to get home. I have to make a phone call. I have to, to do this. I have to do that. But that's my time. I'm giving time to, to do this. If, if, you know, because it's time for my annual physical report from my doctor. And the first thing he, he's going to ask me when I get in the room, you know what he's going to ask me? Are you still going to the gym? And I'm working hard because I want to say yes. So I'm trying to go three times a week you know, so I can answer. But you can see it takes discipline. It just doesn't happen, friends. We might have all the desires we want, but if we don't have discipline, it will never happen. Thirdly, thirdly, delight. This is where we go back to Psalm 1 and verse 2. But his delight, what does it mean to delight? It means to find pleasure in. The, the, the word delight means because I value this. In Psalm 119 verse 97 it says, Oh how I love your law, it is my meditation day and night. Oh how I love your law. You want to find a wonderful one? Turn with me to Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Look at this one. Jeremiah 15, 16. And in verse 16, Jeremiah said, Your words were found and I ate them. <laughs> and your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I, am, I have been called by your name. See, as he was meditating, things started to happen with him, and all of a sudden, it gripped him. I am called by God's name. He, he was moved by that. See, all of a sudden, the word became valuable. He took pleasure in it. And that's what the word delights mean. It, it means that I find, I find in, in God's word what I cannot find any other place. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find that by chance. You will value God's word up front, and you will find the benefit of it as you meditate in it. So we come now. I've been moving all morning to my third point and last. The consequences of meditating. The consequences of meditating. The promise of physical achievements. Joshua 1.8 I want you to look at that adverb in Joshua 1. Then, then you will find. Not before that time. Meditate day and night. 
then you will find. At that time, you will make your way. Please listen now. Because when, when we get to Psalm 1 and verse 2, it will say, and whatever you do will prosper. And I have heard people butchering that. means that whatever I ask God for, I've got it. And I shared with you a few weeks ago that scripture really motivates the praying, not the other way around. So, whatever action Joshua is about to take in his leadership, having meditated, God promises that you will be successful in it. You will be prosperous in it. And please let me say this. I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons so many churches have so many problems is that they are not in the Word. They have a philosophy of church, but they do not have a commitment to the Scriptures. And I can, I can back that up for you. I can back that up for you. Not, not far from here, pastor was sued. Sued by one of his staff. My friends, when you look, when you look in the Bible... The Bible says that Christians do not take Christians to court. See, and, and that, that goes against every... We, 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 live, we live in a, in a legal society right now. And we're not, talking about, we're not talking about outside the church now. I'm not talking about business that have to take care of business. God gave laws to take care of those things. But we're talking about the church we're talking about when Christians are confronted by conflicts. How do they deal with it? God has promised when we take his way, we will have success with it. We will be prosperous with it. But if we think there's some other way to do this, we're in for trouble. So here we have the promise of physical accomplishments. Actions based on God's word promised success. Psalm 1-3, the result of meditation produces strength of character. Please look in Psalm 1 verse 3. And he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree. Please note with me, before he does anything, before he does anything in Psalm 1-3, he promises Character, strength of character. He shall be like a tree. What, what, are the, what are the ideas of a tree? Now you might, for me I know what that is. When I was a young man I, I lived through a storm. The, the, the average movement of the wind, the breeze, was 200 miles an hour. I wasn't sleeping, I was wide awake. And I, I could hear the wind blowing back and forth. And two days later, when, when we went out in front of the Caribbean Sea, the only tree standing were the palm trees. The wind got those trees and they, they bent those trees, but they never uprooted them. Never uprooted them. And God uses this picture to say that the man or the woman who meditates in his word will have strength of character. 
that the winds of life will blow against that person, but that person will stand. That person will find the ability not to give in to things that would cause them to dishonor God or to dishonor themselves. Whatever she does, she will be prosperous because she has become a person of character. And persons of character can deal with problems of conflicts. The promise of physical achievements. Secondly, protection against spiritual adversaries. Protection against spiritual adversaries. 1 John 2.14 John is writing to the church in Asia. And he said to them, I am writing to you young men because you are strong. But that's not the end of the story. I'm writing to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do you see that? To overcome the devil takes meditating upon God's word. Let me, let me tell you the, the beautiful illustration of this. When Jesus, was in, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, what book of the law did he quote from? Deuteronomy. Now I'm going to suggest something to you. He didn't have a copy of that with him when he was in the wilderness. But when the devil brought temptations to him, he was able out of the reservoir of his meditation to use what God says. Even when the devil used scripture, Jesus was able to say, you're misquoting the scripture. This is what the Bible says. Protection against the adversary. The word of God is the only offensive weapon given in Ephesians chapter 6. And the reason God gives it to us, my friends, is because no other word causes Satan to tremble and to flee like the word of God. And when that word is our meditation, uh, it, it, it flows. It, it, just, it just happens. In Luke chapter 4, verse 13, after Jesus was tempted by the devil, and the devil left him. Listen to what Luke 4, 13 says. And the devil left him for another opportunity. He left him until another opportunity. And guess what? When the devil came with a temptation again, guess what he would hear? The same word that caused him to flee in the wilderness. The word of God when it abides in us, the devil has no match for when someone opens his or her mouth and say, thus saith the Lord. Nothing else will call the devil to, to flee. Nothing else. When you and I come up against things, my friends, we might look for some other way, but there is no other way. When it comes to moral issues, God has the first, second, and the last word. I was thinking about this this past week. And thinking that Samson was as strong physically as he was weak morally. 
And Joseph was as strong morally as he was weak physically. And when Potiphar's wife tempted, Samson, uh, tempted Joseph, what did he say? How can I do this and sin against God? The reservoir was there. Lastly, the consequences of meditation is the provision for mental adoration. Mental adoration. I take this from Luke chapter 1, verses 47 to 55, what is known as the Magnificat, the Latin expression for Mary's words when she was with Elizabeth. This hymn of Mary, listen please, this hymn of Mary is without comparison. There are three things you will not find in this, in this, in this hymn. One, it is not a prophecy. It is not a prophecy. It is no supernatural communication. We don't find God saying to Mary to say this. So what is it then? If there's no prophecy and no, no supernatural communication, what is it? History. History. You look at that magnificent, that beautiful, magnificent expression of Mary. It is full of the Old Testament. Full of, of Genesis. Full of uh, Deuteronomy. Full of Leviticus. The history. Mary studied as a young girl, perhaps at the age of 15 at the time. Some think even 14. Some, uh, some think a little bit older, but I, I, I played safe by being in the middle. <laughs> at that point, she had already been meditating upon the word of God so that when it was necessary to use that word to praise God, it just came mentally to her because it was already in her. I, I, I struggled this past week, you know, if, um, uh, while studying if, if I should say this, but I will say it because I want you to see something here. You might say, this, all, this, is, this is in the Bible. Does it happen at other points? I, I was asked to open the, the retreat in prayer this past week. And as I was called upon, I got up, went to the podium, and I prayed. At the end of the meeting, I was going to my room, and a young lady stopped by, and she said to me, Thank you for your great prayer. <laughs> I said, praise God. My friends, I'm going to tell you, all I did was to repeat scripture. All I did was to pray back to God his wonderful word. And he ministered in prayer to that lady. She called it a great scripture. Others came and said things about my prayer. Let me suggest to you, it was not that I rehearsed anything. It is that when the word of God is inside and you speak it, God makes your way prosperous and gives success in your journey, in your life, in your relationships, vertically, horizontally. This is what God, this is the benefit of reading God's word. 
He will stop you at certain points and you will say, oh, I've never seen this before. Take time to say, this is going to be a word that I will be meditating on. I don't know when I will need it, but I know that it will be useful in a time when I'm confronted by whatever. The benefits of God's word. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the loaves beside the sea. The hymn writer was using that, that wonderful experience of the disciples when they heard the word from the Lord Jesus and he said to them, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life and they are the means by which God makes men and women godly. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your spirit would have taken your word and challenged each of our hearts, my own included, that, Father, it is when we value God's word, when it, when it has meaning, when it has pleasure, and we are to be asking God, if it is not that way, we are to be asking God for it, because this is what he promised Jeremiah said, your words that were found, I did eat it, and they became the joy. Fill us with that desire, passion, and discipline so that we might use the word of God to overcome in spiritual service. Use the word of God to build my spiritual character and use the word of God with which to praise our God. In Jesus' name.